0: part three section six of the freedom of the will by jonathan edwards this LibriVox recording is in the public domain liberty of indifference not only not necessary to virtue but utterly inconsistent with it and all either virtuous or vicious habits or inclinations inconsistent with armenian notions of liberty and moral agency to suppose such a freedom of will as armenians talk of to be requisite to virtue and vice is many ways contrary to common sense if indifference belonged to liberty of will as armenians suppose and it be essential to a virtuous action that it be performed in a state of liberty as they also suppose it will follow that it is essential to a virtuous action that it be performed in a state of indifference and if it be performed in a state of indifference then doubtless it must be performed in the time of indifference and so it will follow that in order to the virtue of an act the heart must be indifferent in the time of the performance of that act and the more indifferent and cold the heart is with relation to the act performed so much the better because the act is performed with so much the greater liberty but is this agreeable to the light of nature is it agreeable to the notions which mankind in all ages have of virtue that it lies in what is contrary to indifference even in the tendency and inclination of the heart to virtuous action and that the stronger the inclination and so the further from indifference the more virtuous the heart and so much the more praiseworthy the act which proceeds from it if we should suppose contrary to what has been before demonstrated that there may be an act of will in a state of indifference for instance this act these the will determining to put itself out of a state of indifference and to give itself a preponderation one way then it would follow on armenian principles that this act or determination of the will is that alone wherein virtue consists because this only is performed while the mind remains in a state of indifference and so in a state of liberty for when once the mind is put out of its equilibrium it is no longer in such a state and therefore all the acts which follow afterwards proceeding from bias can have the nature neither of virtue nor vice or if the thing which the will can do while yet in a state of indifference and so of liberty be only to suspend acting and determine to take the matter into consideration then this determination is that alone wherein virtue consists and not proceeding to action after the scale is turned by consideration so that it will follow from these principles that whatever is done after the mind by any means is once out of its equilibrium and arises from an inclination has nothing of the nature of virtue or vice and is worthy of neither blame nor praise but how plainly contrary is this to the universal sense of mankind and to the notion they have of sincerely virtuous actions which is that they proceed from a heart well disposed and well inclined and the stronger the more fixed and determined the good disposition of the heart the greater the sincerity of virtue and so the more of its truth and reality but if there be any acts which are done in a state of equilibrium or spring immediately from perfect indifference and coldness of heart they cannot arise from any good principle or disposition in the heart and consequently according to common sense have no sincere goodness in them having no virtue of heart in them to have a virtuous heart is to have a heart that favours virtue and is friendly to it and not one perfectly cold and indifferent about it and besides the actions that are done in a state of indifference or that arise immediately out of such a state cannot be virtuous because by the supposition they are not determined by any preceding choice for if there be preceding choice then choice intervenes between the act and the state of indifference which is contrary to the supposition of the act arising immediately out of indifference but those acts which are not determined by preceding choice cannot be virtuous or vicious by armenian principles because they are not determined by the will so that neither one way nor the other can any actions be virtuous or vicious according to those principles if the action be determined by a preceding act of choice it cannot be virtuous because the action is not done in a state of indifference nor does immediately arise from such a state and so is not done in a state of liberty if the action be not determined by a preceding act of choice then it cannot be virtuous because then the will is not self-determined in it so that it is made certain that neither virtue nor vice can ever find any place in the universe moreover that it is necessary to a virtuous action that it be performed in a state of indifference under a notion of that being a state of liberty is contrary to common sense as it is a dictate of common sense that indifference itself in many cases is vicious and so to a high degree as if when i see my neighbour or near friend and one who has in the highest degree merited of me in extreme distress and ready to perish i find an indifference in my heart with respect to anything proposed to be done which i can easily do for his relief so if it should be proposed to me to blaspheme god or kill my father or do numberless other things which might be mentioned the being indifferent for a moment would be highly vicious and vile and it may be further observed that to suppose this liberty of indifference is essential to virtue and vice destroys the great difference of degrees of the guilt of different crimes and takes away the heinousness of the most horrid iniquities such as adultery bestiality murder perjury blasphemy etc for according to these principles there is no harm at all in having the mind in a state of perfect indifference with respect to these crimes nay it is absolutely necessary in order to any virtue in avoiding them or vice in doing them but for the mind to be in a state of indifference with respect to them is to be next door to doing them it is then infinitely near to choosing and so committing the fact for equilibrium is the next step to a degree of preponderation and one even the least degree of preponderation all things considered is choice and not only so but for the will to be in a state of perfect equilibrium with respect to such crimes is for the mind to be in such a state as to be full as likely to choose them as to refuse them to do them as to omit them and if our minds must be in such a state wherein it is as near to choosing as refusing and wherein it must of necessity according to the nature of things be as likely to commit them as to refrain from them where is the exceeding heinousness of choosing and committing them if there be no harm in often being in such a state wherein the probability of doing and forbearing are exactly equal there being an equilibrium and no more tendency to one than the other then according to the nature and laws of such a contingence it may be expected as an inevitable consequence of such a disposition of things that we should choose them as often as reject them that it should generally so fall out is necessary as equality in the effect is the natural consequence of the equal tendency of the cause or of the antecedent state of things from which the effect arises why then should we be so exceedingly to blame if it does so fall out it is many ways apparent that the armenian scheme of liberty is utterly inconsistent with the being of any such things as either virtuous or vicious habits or dispositions if liberty of indifference be essential to moral agency then there can be no virtue in any habitual inclinations of the heart which are contrary to indifference and imply in their nature the very destruction and exclusion of it they suppose nothing can be virtuous in which no liberty is exercised but how absurd is it to talk of exercising indifference under bias and preponderation and if self-determining power in the will be necessary to moral agency praise blame etc then nothing done by the will can be any further praiseworthy or blameworthy than so far as the will is moved swayed and determined by itself and the scales turned by the sovereign power the will has over itself and therefore the will must not be out of its balance preponderation must not be determined and effected beforehand and so the self-determining act anticipated thus it appears another way that habitual bias is inconsistent with that liberty which armenians suppose to be necessary to virtue or vice and so it follows that habitual bias itself cannot be either virtuous or vicious the same thing follows from their doctrine concerning the inconsistence of necessity with liberty praise dispraise etc none will deny that bias and inclination may be so strong as to be invincible and leave no possibility of the will determining contrary to it and so be attended with necessity this dr whitby allows concerning the will of god angels and glorified saints with respect to good and the will of devils with respect to evil therefore if necessity be inconsistent with liberty then when fixed inclination is to such a degree of strength it utterly excludes all virtue vice praise or blame and if so then the nearer habits are to this strength the more do they impede liberty and so diminish praise and blame if very strong habits destroy liberty the lesser ones proportionably hinder it according to their degree of strength and therefore it will follow that then is the act most virtuous or vicious when performed without any inclination or habitual bias at all because it is then performed with most liberty every prepossessing fixed bias on the mind brings a degree of moral inability for the contrary because so far as the mind is biased and prepossessed so much hindrance is there of the contrary and therefore if moral inability be inconsistent with moral agency or the nature of virtue and vice then so far as there is any such thing as evil disposition of heart or habitual depravity of inclination whether covetousness pride malice cruelty or whatever else so much the more excusable persons are so much the less have their evil acts of this kind the nature of vice and on the contrary whatever excellent dispositions and inclinations they have so much are they the less virtuous it is evident that no habitual disposition of heart can be in any degree virtuous or vicious or the actions which proceed from them at all praiseworthy or blameworthy because though we should suppose the habit not to be of such strength as wholly to take away all moral ability and self-determining power or may be partly from bias and in part from self-determination yet in this case all that is from antecedent bias must be set aside as of no consideration and in estimating the degree of virtue or vice no more must be considered than what arises from self-determining power without any influence of that bias because liberty is exercised in no more So that all that is the exercise of habitual inclination is thrown away as not belonging to the morality of the action by which it appears that no exercise of these habits let them be stronger or weaker can ever have anything of the nature of either virtue or vice here if any one should say that notwithstanding all these things there may be the nature of virtue and vice in the habits of the mind because these habits may be the effects of those acts wherein the mind exercise liberty that however the aforementioned reasons will prove that no habits which are natural or that are born or created with us can be either virtuous or vicious yet they will not prove this of habits which have been acquired and established by repeated free acts to such an objector i would say that this evasion will not at all help the matter for if the freedom of will be essential to the very nature of virtue and vice then there is no virtue or vice but only in that very thing wherein this liberty is exercised if a man in one or more things that he does exercises liberty and then by those acts is brought into such circumstances that his liberty ceases and there follows a long series of acts or events that come to pass necessarily those consequent acts are not virtuous or vicious rewardable or punishable but only the free acts that established this necessity for in them alone was the man free the following effects that are necessary have no more of the nature of virtue or vice than health or sickness of body have properly the nature of virtue or vice being the effects of a course of free acts of temperance or intemperance or than the good qualities of a clock are of the nature of virtue which are the effects of free acts of the artificer or the goodness and sweetness of the fruits of a garden are moral virtues being the effects of the free and faithful acts of the gardener if liberty be absolutely requisite to the morality of actions and necessity wholly inconsistent with it as armenians greatly insist then no necessary effects whatsoever let the cause be never so good or bad can be virtuous or vicious but the virtue or vice must be only in the free cause agreeably to this dr whitby supposes the necessity that attends the good and evil habits of the saints in heaven and damned in hell which are the consequence of their free acts and their state of probation are not rewardable or punishable on the whole it appears that if the notions of armenians concerning liberty and moral agency be true it will follow there is no virtue in any such habits or qualities as humility meekness patience mercy gratitude generosity heavenly mindedness nothing at all praiseworthy in loving christ above father and mother wife and children or our own lives or in delight in holiness hungering and thirsting after righteousness love to enemies universal benevolence to mankind and on the other hand there is nothing at all vicious or worthy of dispraise in the most selfish beastly malignant devilish dispositions in being ungrateful profane habitually hating god and things sacred and holy or in being most treacherous envious and cruel towards men for all these things are dispositions and inclinations of the heart and in short there is no such thing as any virtuous or vicious quality of mind no such thing as inherent virtue and holiness or vice and sin and the stronger those habits or dispositions are which used to be called virtuous and vicious the further they are from being so indeed the more violent men's lusts are the more fixed their pride envy ingratitude and maliciousness still the further are they from being blameworthy if there be a man that by his own repeated acts or by any other means is come to be of the most hellish disposition desperately inclined to treat his neighbours with injuriousness contempt and malignity the further they should be from any disposition to be angry with him or in the least to blame him though so, on the other hand if there be a person who is of a most excellent spirit strongly inclining him to the most amiable actions admirably meek benevolent etc so much as he further from anything rewardable or commendable on which principles the man jesus christ was very far from being praiseworthy for those acts of holiness and kindness which he performed these propensities being strong in his heart and above all the infinitely holy and gracious god is infinitely remote from anything commendable his good inclinations being infinitely strong and he therefore at the utmost possible distance from being at liberty and in all cases the stronger the inclinations of any are to virtue and the more they love it the less virtuous and the more they love wickedness the less vicious they are whether these things are agreeable to scripture let every christian and every man who has read the bible judge and whether they are agreeable to common sense let every one judge that has human understanding in exercise and if we pursue these principles we shall find that virtue and vice are wholly excluded out of the world and that there never was nor ever can be any such thing as one or the other either in god angels or men no propensity disposition or habit can be virtuous or vicious as has been shown because they so far as they take place destroy the freedom of the will the foundation of all moral agency and exclude all capacity of either virtue or vice and if habits and dispositions themselves be not virtuous nor vicious neither can the exercise of these dispositions be so for the exercise of bias is not the exercise of free self-determining will and so there is no exercise of liberty in it consequently no man is virtuous or vicious either in being well or ill-disposed nor in acting from a good or bad disposition and whether this bias or disposition be habitual or not if it exists but a moment before the act of will which is the effect of it it alters not the case as to the necessity of the effect or if there be no previous disposition at all either habitual or occasional that determines the act then it is not choice that determines it it is therefore a contingence that happens to the man arising from nothing in him and is necessary as to any inclination or choice of his and therefore cannot make him either the better or worse any more than a tree is better than other trees because it oftener happens to be lighted upon by a nightingale or a rock more vicious than other rocks because rattlesnakes have happened oftener to crawl over it so that there is no virtue nor vice in good or bad dispositions either fixed or transient nor any virtue or vice in acting from any good or bad previous inclination nor yet any virtue or vice in acting wholly without any previous inclination where then shall we find room for virtue or vice End of part three section six